This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shear of Harav Binyamin Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses, Shalotu Tshuvot, from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Harav Tavori. Today we will continue with a few tshuvos of the Ksav Sofer, Harav Abram Shmuel ben Yemen Sofer, the son of the Chassam Sofer, the grandson of Rabbi Kiva Very often when I give two shiurim about one particular uh, meshiv, a group of sheilot to tshuvot, very often I try the first week to discuss some of the questions of Arachayim, which are more familiar, and the next week to discuss questions in other areas of Halacha, Nevenoezer, Yeridea, Choshemishpa. Because of so many tshuvas that I found fascinating in the Ksav Sofer, I'm going to continue today mostly with tshuvas from Arachayim, but I hope to at least include one tshuva from a different area. In Juva Yud Gimel, the Rav, Rav, Rav Ksav Sofer was asked by a Rav Avram Katz, Eibnitz, from a community called Gorba, maybe Jorba, about a Kohen whose hands wrote a tot. I assume he had a problem with his hands, he couldn't even raise his hands. What would be the situation for Birchas Kohanim? The Rav who wrote to the Ksav Sofer, said should he not, should not go to give Berchas Konim. He said, since the Siyas Kapayim is the Raisa, and the Siyas Kapayim, to hold your hands up, is a Kenditsya Sana Kwenan, it's Ma'akev for the Siyas Kapayim, based on the Rambam, he said that you should not do it. The Ksav Sofer quotes first Noda Bihuda that discusses why did the really Raman Paskin that that's true. And the Ksav Sofer suggested that the Gemara always talks about Duchan. In certain cases, the Gemara says if we would if a person is known to be a Kohen for Duchan, then we would perhaps, or the Gemara has a discussion, would we consider, if we know that he goes up to Duchan, would we consider him a Kohen when we are not sure about really his status. But the Gemara always uses the phrase to go to the Duchen. In fact, in my childhood, the vernacular that we use in America is a coin goes Duchenen. coin goes to Duchen. In Israel they say, you don't use the phrase so much at least in my experience, that's the way people talk. So the, the Ksav Sofer discussed, why do you use the phrase alot la Duchen? So he seems to say that perhaps that's an indication that Aliyah Leduchan is one thing, and the only time you can be uh, a, uh, a Kohen to give Birchas Kohanim is when you're Dunasiyas Kapayim. And perhaps that indicates there's no such thing as Birchas Kohanim without Nasiyas Kapayim. He discusses, of course, a famous Gemara that Rabbi Yossi said, I, uh, if my friends told me he wasn't the Kohen, 
But if my friends told me, I would do it. And the whole discussion is what's wrong with a zar, a person who's not a Kohen, to go up for Birchas Kohanim. The Ksav Sofa raises an issue that perhaps Rabbi Yossi never did Birchas Kohanim. Rabbi Yossi said, what I would do is I would olela duchan. But he didn't say that he would do Birchas Kohanim. What about making the bracha? Well, perhaps he made the bracha, says the Ksav Sofer, but maybe it's not a bracha levatala. Isn't it true that a woman who is pater from a mitzvah can make a bracha on, let's say, lulav? Of course, this is only Ashkenazi psak, but the Ashkenazi psak is that a woman who wants to take a lulav may do so and may make a bracha so maybe a person who's not a zar can also make a bracha. That's an argument of the Ksav Sofer. And the edition which I mentioned that I've been using, an edition published by Machon Lotzaat Svarim, Vechekya Kitve Yad Alshem Achatam Sofer. Machon, to print books of the Chasam Sofer. So in 1960, this volume was printed. In the back, there are a number of He'arot that were taken from various sources. And one of <coughs> those He'arot raised the obvious question here. A woman who wants to take a lulav may take a lulav. <coughs> Almost always shown in Paskin that there is nothing wrong in a person who is parted from a mitzvah, a mitzvah sasecha as mangrama, a woman fulfilling that mitzvah. There is an opinion, a discussion in the halacha. Rashi in one place quotes that there's a problem about Tosif. But nevertheless, accepted psak is a woman can certainly take a lulav. The only question is, can she make a bracha? The Ashkenazi psak is that she can make a bracha. But they're certainly not the same as saying a, a person who's a zayar can do birchas kohanim. <coughs> a woman can take a lulav. Anybody can take a lulav. But nobody can do birchas kohanim unless you're a kohen. <coughs> so to make a bracha in birchas kohanim, is not the same as a woman making bracha for lulav. Good question against the chasam sofer. The Chazam Sofer says, but let's continue the discussion. He felt that you could make a bracha. What about, the, how could Rabbi Yossi do an Aveira of Birchas Karnim, which only relegated to Karnim? How could Yazar do it? And he says, perhaps he went out. He did it without Nesiyas Kapayim. Perhaps he felt Nesiyas Kapayim is Ma'akev. And therefore, he... Uh, didn't feel that he he could go up without doing Birchas Koranim. Perhaps without Nesiyaz Kapayim. The bottom line of this question, the, the Ksav Sofer wants very much to allow this person to do Birchas Koranim. So he told him, perhaps you can put your hand up for a second and then put it down. Just say the word Put them down until you have to say the next word. Of course, in Israel, we do it very quickly. Every day we do birchas kohanim. We say yivrecha Hashem yishmecha one after the other. In Chutzlaretz, it takes much longer. There's a since they only do birchas kohanim on Yantov, so they do a, a, a nigin, a 
whatever they do, and at the end they sing longer. So there, the Chassam, the Ksav said, at least put your hands down in between. And if you can't do that, he said, perhaps you can hold your hands up with something else, like lean on something to hold your hands up. Perhaps like crutches or a cane that you can, or a stender that you can lean on to hold your hands up. But he wasn't sure about that halacha. He really wasn't sure about that, about making the bracha in such a case. He's sure that you can get up and say, worst comes to worst, you're not Yotze Birchas Karnim. You, but, but you certainly could do it. The question is, could you make a bracha under those circumstances? So there he said, in that case, perhaps it would be better to ask one of the Karnim to be Motsim with a bracha. Not every pers- person has to say the bracha. It's famous that the uh, Beis Halevi explained that each Kohen has to say the words. You, you don't, you, you're not Yotze. If four Kohanim stand up, three say the words, and one would be Yotze with one of the others. That, Beis Halevi, in the end of Reishas, explains why that's not true, why you can't do that. But for the bracha, for sure you could do that. So he said, the Ksav since it's a bracha levatala, and since I'm afraid it might be a bracha levatala, this way it would be better to have somebody motzi you. But he thought, certainly to say the words, uh, worse comes to worse, you're just saying psukim and chumash. He didn't think that was a problem. And in this particular case, there's no nesiyas kapayim. So that's what he suggested to do. But he was very supportive of this particular Kohen trying to get him to find a heter for him to do Birchas The next question in Shuva Yudalid also relates to Birchas but a different question was asked. A person who were, we weren't sure if he's a Kohen or not. He himself is not sure. A Suffolk Kohen, Suffolk Yisrael. On one hand, it's a mitzvah say to do birchas kohenim. On the other hand, if he's a kohen, it's fine. But if he's not a kohen, he's a czar, and he did birchas kohenim, so then it would be included in the problem that we just discussed about a czar shabirach birchas kohenim. It's improper to do that. What the Easter is actually, it's an Easter say, it's something wrong about it. So he would raise this issue. What do you do with a Suffolk Kohen? And then he brought it a very clever argument. The Rambam says, Suffolk Daraisa L'Chumra. That's an accepted principle that we all know. Sveka Daraisa L'Chumra, Suffolk Rabbana L'Kula. However, the Rambam Paskin, Suffolk Daraisa L'Chumra is only mid Rabbana. That's well known. The Suffolk quotes the Chavazdas as well as the Chassam Sofer, who felt that this only applies to a Suffolk Easter of the Torah. If I'm not sure, if meat, I have a piece of meat in front of me, and I don't know if it's kosher or treif, so then the Ram says, Midaraisa, the Suffolk is mutter, Midrabana, the Suffolk is aser. But if you have a Suffolk mitzvah, then both the Chavazdas and the Chassam Sofer said, you say Sveka Luchumra. So he said very cleverly here, since the mitzvah of giving birchas koanim would be a mitzvah saseh in a kohen, so that would be a suffix doraisa. If he would not be a kohen, be a zar, so it would be an israseh. And a suffix israseh, midrabana, midoraisa is mutter. You're allowed to enter with the, that situation. 
So perhaps it would be better to go in to give Birchas Kohanim to fulfill the mitzvahs asei misafek. And it's true, you're over an Isra asei misafek, but it's more important to fulfill a mitzvah asei misafek than to do the Isra asei misafek. Of course, the Ksav Sofer then said, there's a way to obviate the issue completely. If you stay outside of Shul when they call Kohanim, then it's not considered a bital asei. A Kohen who's not in the Shul doesn't have to give Brechas Kohanim. It's only when they omar lahem, when they tell him to go to give Brechas Kohanim, then he's required to do it. So if he's not in Shul when they say uh, Kohanim, so then he's not over the Asay. So perhaps that would be better. Then he has another discussion, which is uh, a somewhat in between conclusion that you could give a brachas kohanim when you're a suffix with a t'nai. We paskin that if a person does a mitzvah without kavana, it's a big issue. If mitzvah tzrichas kavana or mitzvah slot tzrichas kavana. Mitzvah tzrichas kavana does not mean do mitzvahs require kavana. Of course mitzvahs require kavana. The question would be if a person did a mitzvah without kavana, did he fulfill the obligation or not? So that is a major issue how we paskin. But we do paskin if a person does a mitzvah with kavana not to be yotze, then he's not yotze the mitzvah. You don't tell a person he's yotze the mitzvah against his will. So the Safsafa then suggested the following scenario. This Kohen, who's a Safik Kohen, Safik Yisrael, could get up, go to the Duchan, and say to himself as follows, if I am indeed a Kohen, that I mean to have kavana for birchas kohanim. If I'm not a kohen, then I don't intend for this to be the birchas kohanim. In that case, it wouldn't be a problem with Baltosif. You would only be over Baltosif or the Easter say if you did birchas kohanim to, as a mitzvah. But if you do not mean it as a mitzvah, you wouldn't be over. So therefore, he felt you could really accomplish the Safek mitzvah without the Safek Avera at all clever argument, assuming that a person can make a t'nai on a mitzvah, saying I have kavana in one condition and the other condition I don't have kavana. We know this uh, concept from uh, halacha, for example, that uh, happens in America very often. Many people go to shul and Shabbos that, let's say, they dive in at 9 o'clock. And let's say it's Kriyashma is 9.45. So will the shul reach Kriyashma by 9.45? Depending upon the chazan, depending upon uh, the... Uh, quickness of the davening so you don't know if you're going to reach so you're a little nervous that you might not say Kriyashma on time on the other hand if you say Kriyashma before davening so then you did fulfill the basic mitzvah of Kriyashma but you lost the special kiyum of Kriyashma together with the brachas which is pre- obviously preferable so some have suggested that you make a tonight like this you daven at 9 o'clock before you daven you say Kriyashma with the Tanai. If the congregation will indeed reach Kriyashma before the Zman Kriyashma, then right now I have no Kavana at all to be Yotze. But if they do not reach, then I have Kavana now to be Yotze. Can you make such a Tanai? The Mishnaburis discusses such a Tanai. Well, whereas there are people who question whether such a Tanai is acceptable. The Ksav Sofer assumes this, a Tanai like this would be acceptable, and therefore he gave the, that suggestion. But at the end, he had another problem. Because 
he quoted the Sefer Charedim. This Sefer Charedim is quoted by the Mishnah Brewer on the first page of Hilchus Nasiyas Kapayim. The Sefer Charedim said that we know there's a mitzvah in Kohanim to give the bracha to Yisrael. But the Sefer Charedim said a Chiddush that there's a mitzvah in the Kohanim or in the Yisrael to get the bracha from the Kohanim as well. Mitzvah asay lihid barech. It's not only a mitzvah to give the bracha, it's a mitzvah to get the bracha. It, it, it's interesting that the tzibur who, fulf- who wants to hear the bracha, to get a bracha, actually fulfills a mitzvah by getting the bracha. So he said, my patent, my idea of what to do under the circumstances would be good for the mitzvah sasei of the kohen. Maybe he fulfills it, maybe he's not over anything. But what about the mitzvah of hearing the bracha? He won't hear the bracha, he won't get the bracha. The bracha has to be given panim el panim, face to face. The Kohen is going to be facing, this Safi Kohen is facing the people. He's not going to get the bracha from the other Kohenim. So it might be a bit say in such a section, in such a case. How seriously do we take the Sefer Charedim, what he means? He, well, in this particular case, the Ksav Safer took it very seriously. So he thought about the, all the issues that were involved. And therefore, he summarized at the end. In this case, since it's a Safek Hashakal, so if there are two Kohanim besides him, he should not go to the Duchen, but he should get the Bracha as if he were Yisrael. Even in such a case, it would be better for him to leave Shul when they say Kohanim, come immediately back and get the Bracha. He would not be mevatel the mitzvah because he wasn't there when they said Kohanim. And in case he's Yisrael, he is, does fulfill the mitzvah. If he heard Brechas Kohanim in the morning, let's say you, when Yantif, when you say Brechas Kohanim, both at Shachos and Mincha, so, and Musaf, so my idea of going out for the Kohanim, coming into the Bracha, you did that at Shachos. At Musaf, you already fulfilled the mitzvah Lizbarech. So for Musaf, you could go up with the other Kohanim, and maybe you'll fulfill the mitzvah if you're a Kohen as well. And you will not be mevatel the mitzvah because you did that already in the morning. If there's only one Kohen in Shul besides you, so then he said that the Ksav Sofer assumed that there's no mitzvah really of Birchaz Kohanim unless there are two Kohanim. Amar Lohem. Since there is no other Kohen but you, and you're the Suffolk. So there you might as well give Birchas Kohanim, because if you're Yisrael, then there's no real mitzvah Birchas Kohanim, there's only one Kohen. If you are a Kohen, then you're part of the two, so you're, you're fulfilling the mitzvah, I say, of Bisafik if you're a Kohen, but you're not Mevatel the mitzvah, I say, at all, because if you're not a Kohen, there is no mitzvah, I say. That assumption also is a big Kiddush. The, the discussion, if one Kohen is not really obligated in Birchaz Kohanim unless there are at least two because of Amar Lahem, is a question that's discussed also in the Ha'aros in the back of the Sefer. The bottom line of this question was summarized, therefore, by the Ksav Sofer to try to avoid this as much as possible, not to be in the room when they say Kohanim. Another issue that's very well known in the yeshiva world is the Tshuva Nunvav. And the question that he was asked by a Rav Meir Baskovitz, who was the Rav of Yala and its environs, 
uh, was about the din of Tosefes Shabbos for women. On one hand, Tosefes Shabbos is a mitzvah sasei shazman grama. Inasmuch as it's a zman grama, women should be excluded. Women should not have to keep Tosefes Shabbos. However, if you say that it's connected to Shabbos, it's part of Shabbos, then maybe women would be included. Now, we know by Tosefes Yamakipurim, women are obligated. The Gemara learned it because it says the word Ezrach by, um, Yom, by Yom Kippur. And we say that the extra word there includes women in Tosefes Yom Kippurim. But by Shabbos and Yantif, there is no to- special Pasuk. So, where would you know this from? The Ksav Sofer begins by quoting a primigadim that women are obligated in all the mitzvahs of Shabbos. We know this from Iran, who discusses, for example, why are Nashim obligated in Sudash Lishit, in Shalosh Su'udot. Shalosh Su'udot is the mitzvah of Rabbanan, and it seems to be a good example of his mangrama. The Ran said, what, one second, we know women are chayv in Kiddush. Why are women chayv in Kiddush? Because of the connection between Zachar Shabbos and Shemar Shabbos. Since women are obligated in Shemir Shabbos, they're chayv in, in the Kiddush, in the, in the Zachar of Shabbos. And the Ran extrapolated not only in Kiddush, but all the laws of Shabbos. There's no difference between men and women on Shabbos. And since Tosef Shabbos is part of the dinim of Shabbos, therefore women are also chayef. The Ksav Sofer says, at first glance, this is very strange. Because on Yom Kippur, we need a special halacha to teach me that women are obligated in Tosefes. By Shabbos, I don't have such a pasuk. If you're going to argue and say Zacha v'shamar includes everything to do with Shabbos, wouldn't you have said that in Yom Kippur? Do you need a special limud in Yom Kippur? The fact that we could discuss about women being chayv and havdala on Shabbos, would we also say that women are chayv and havdala because they're law- obligated in all the laws of Shabbos? According to the Rambam, since havdala is daraisa and it's comparable to Kiddush, it seems that women are obligated in Avdallah. But it could be that women should be part of Avdallah. It says non-grama. And there is a, a long discussion if women are indeed chayv and Avdallah. Midaraisa or midrabana. Let's assume we say, we'll say Zacha v'shamar. And that's true for Shabbos. Yes, would it also be true for Yantif? On Yantif there's no special limit of Zacha v'shamar. Tosfos in, in Kedushin says that the Easter of not doing Malacha Nyantif applies to women. But the mitzvah of refraining from Malacha, Shabbason, might not apply to women at all. So women aren't automatically included in all the laws of Yantif. So how do you know that women are Wurichayv, even if you would assume it's true by Tosefah Shabbos? How would you assume 
It's also Tosefet Yantif. It's true, he quotes, of course, the Tosus and Ksubis, Daf Memzayin, who says that women are Chayv and Tosefet and Shabbos and Yantif, but the question is, really, where does he get it from? What's the source? He went on to suggest a big Chiddush, the Ksav Sofer. That women are excluded from Mitzvah Sasei Shazman Grama. Is it true that we could distinguish between a mitzvah asay, shazman grama, which requires effort and time, or a mitzvah asay, shazman grama, which does exist at time, but it actually doesn't take time, and it doesn't involve any effort. Let's assume the famous argument, why are women excluded from mitzvah shazman grama? Some say, because women are busy. Since women have family obligations, they're busy with all the taking care of the, of the children, and sometimes the husband who's a bigger child than the children. The, the women have to take care of them. So women are too busy to tie them down to a specific time and tell them to fulfill this mitzvah. So the Ksav Sofer says, assuming that's true, would that apply to an Easter essay? I understand lulav. You can't tell them what, at 2 o'clock or whatever time it is, you, can't, you have to take a lulav now. You have to say Kriyashma now. But... An Easter essay means don't do something now. Don't do malacha now. Why would they have to do malacha? What, what would prevent them from stopping to do malacha? So he suggested this, but he brought sources that, although he likes the svara, but it seems to be incorrect. And therefore, he suggests that if Tosefes Shabbos and Yantav is Daraisa, perhaps we learn it from a source from Yom Kippur. Ezrach not only taught me the laws of Yom, of Yom Kippur, it taught me the laws of every Shabbos and Yantif, and women are obligated in Tosefes Shabbos and Yantif. And that would only be true if Tosefes Shabbos is the Raisa. If Tosefes Shabbos is Rabbanon, and this is, itself is a big discussion in Rishonim and Achronim, if Tosefes Shabbos is Rabbanon, then he says perhaps women would be obligated. For sure. Why? Because he still liked his original svara. That since it's an Easter essay, Rabbanan, it's true that Midaraisa, I proved to you that the svara seems to be incorrect. But Midrabanan, under Rabbanan law, maybe the svara is going to be applicable. And Chacham did not want to distinguish between men and women. So perhaps women would be obligated in Tosefa, Shabbos, and Yantif, whether it's Daraisa or Rabbanan. At the end, the Ksav Sofa says, Vetzarech Iyun Ladina. He's not sure about this. Interestingly enough, of course, and especially today when we have a plethora of svarim about laws of women, uh, books like Halichos Bas Yisrael, Halichos Beisa, Rav Avad Yosef has a sefer about the halachas that relate to women. This issue is very clearly uh, discussed. Everyone quotes this Ksav Sofer, I, I, I assume it's the first tshuva that they have that discuss this issue at length. And, uh, for example, Rav Avadya Paskin, that obviously women are obligated to Sefer Shabbos, to Sefer Yantif, and he said, similar to the, chasam, to the Ksav Salfer, for two reasons. One, because it's an Isra say, and perhaps in Isra say women are obligated. And secondly, we learn it from Yom Kippur that women are obligated in Tosefes, Shabbos, and Yantif. I would like very briefly to discuss at least one shuva.
from Choshe Mishpat. In Simen Lamed Vav of Choshe Mishpat, the Chassam Sofer was asked the question, in Simen, I'm sorry, in Simen Yud Zayin in Choshe Mishpat, the Chassam Sofer was asked the question about, from a, again, from a, a big Tamid Chacham, Harav uh, Gedalia, who had this following issue in his community. A person came to a, a an Ani, a, an indigent person, came to the house of a person and asked for money. The Balabas, who was involved in something, told him that he'd give him a large amount of money, let's say $1,000. So then he gave $1,000 to his uh, man, to his worker at home, and asked him to go give this to the, to the $1,000 to the Ani. While the person is walking to the Ani, the Balabayas looked at him and said, why, I gave him $1,000? No, 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 he screamed, don't give it to him, give him only half of what I, to- what I said. So the person who is the uh, shaliach, as, as it were, gave him the $500 and returned the $500 to the Balabas. The Rav in question who wrote this letter to the Chassam Sofer said that he told the person who promised the thousand dollars that he was not allowed to renege on his promise because he made a nether. He made a nether to give tzedakah, so he can't change his mind. He had the nether to fulfill. That he was sure of. He wasn't sure about the other issue. The the shaliach gave the money back to the balabas. Should he have done that? Shouldn't he have given the money to the poor person? And that would be based on two arguments. One argument is the nether should be fulfilled. On the other hand, you can say it's not my responsibility to fulfill the nether. I can give back the money. But there is another halacha of ten kizchi. Once you give somebody something and you get, say give it to someone else, it's as if you made him a shaliach to make a kinyan already. Ten kizchi. Now this is a sugya in Gitten and other places. If you say ten kizchi, when you say ten kizchi, and obviously I don't have the time to go into the entire argument of but the Savsava basically answered the first part. As far as the nether goes, you don't have a right to change your mind. It's true, you could go to a Bezdin, to Chachamim, and have a Tarsadarim. But as long as you don't have a Tarsadarim, you can't just change your mind. In this particular case, since you meant at the time to make a nether, when you gave it to the person, it could be that you were completely removed from it already. You your nether is over the moment you give it to the person. And it's almost like after the nether, your the issue was completed, you can't do even atar standarim. Or you might argue and say that in this particular case, since it's a mitzvah to give the money to the ani, and you're in the room or very close to where he is, and you gave it to the shliach, in this particular case, you would say ten kizchi. The ksav sofer at the end said that he felt that the person had no right to give it back to the Ashir, and therefore the Ani was Zoche in the present, in the Matana, once the person gave it to him, and he could not give, his, his, give it back, and therefore you're allowed to sue and get your money back from the Ashir. Interestingly enough, what would happen if the Ani then died? Would his children inherit that, that money? Let's assume his children are, are not Aniim. The money was given to an ani. But if you really hold 
ten kizchi, then the money really belonged to the Ani. If the money really belonged to the Ani, then his children would even inherit it if he died afterwards. There are many other important shuvas in the other volumes, but I really was interested in those particular shuvas in, in Arachayim, so I oh, perhaps did more than I usually do in the field of Arachayim.